You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. At this time, we ask that you turn off all cell phones. Unless, of course, you're using them to listen to this podcast, in which case, please keep it on. And please refrain from any flash photography, as it is dangerous to the performers of this podcast. Please be advised that this production may contain strobe effects, loud or sudden noises, nudity, and but probably not. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. You see, it's so simple. Step one, we Google the biggest flops on Broadway. Step two, we find the crazy stories behind them. Step three, we see how they lose millions of dollars. Millions? Broadway isn't cheap. A lot of fancy people want to be producers. Step four, find out why the show won't go on. Step five, end this episode and head to Times Square. Times Square? That'll never work. Only Broadway successes are in Times Square. Ho, 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 ye of little faith. Because the name of the game today is Rolling with the Punches. I'm just going to do it. I don't know what's going to come out. I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be an adventure. (laughs) Adventure! Adventure! I don't know what that is from. Is that from Do-Re-Mi, maybe? I don't know. Welcome! (laughs) What's up, theater geeks? Hello, geeks! You're in on it. You know the backstage. You know what things are happening here in the recording studio slash Pamela's apartment is that she does not know what she's doing. And she is me. Hello. And you too can have a podcast and not know what you're doing either. (laughs) Hey, you have stumbled upon Theater Geeks Anonymous, the show where we talk about Broadway flops, scandals, and new works. Who fails, who sues, we tell their story. And today... Pamela's gonna tell it. Uh oh. Um really? Oh, uh <laughs> I'm just kidding, I knew. <laughs> I'm an actor. <laughs> Do you like that? It's very nice. In a little moment of silence. <laughs> it's good. It puts gravitas to it. Gravitas? Gravitas. I thought it was gravitas. It could be, but I'm from <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> so it's gravitas. So it's gravitas. Shouldn't it be gravitas then? Gravit no, that's from Texas. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In the Midwest, we do things half right. (laughs) That's why we're just Midwest. (laughs) I just made that up myself right now, right this moment. This is going to be a good show. It's going to be a good one. All right. Hey, guess what we're talking about today? What are we talking about? A doll's life. Have you ever heard of it? Um, yes. Okay. But I... The only, like, all I know is from the little bit you told me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so I had heard of The Doll's House, which is a Henrik Ibsen play. Right. I had never heard of A Doll's Life until a friend of mine gave me an enormous amount of digital music. Oh, wow. (laughs) Like, every song, every CD that he had ever owned that he had downloaded onto an external hard drive, he shared with me. Oh, wow. So I went a little nuts listening to all these cast recordings Mm -hmm. because that was what the bulk of it was. Uh, Thanks, Sean. Um, (laughs) Unless you get in trouble, and then thanks, Timothy. Um, (laughs) Which actually... Did you say his last name, though, so no one will know? No one will know. Mm -hmm. How many Sean's do I know? It's a very common name. Is it? 
And you don't even know if it's spelled S-E-A-N or S-H-A-W-N or S-H-A-U-N. You don't know. You don't know. So there you go. You're safe. Uh, But anyway, so A Doll's Life was one of these cast recordings that I listened to. And at first I was like, this is really odd Mm -hmm. because it's this woman who I and I think the first time I listened to it, I just was like, what is this hysterical woman talking about? Like Mm -hmm. she just seemed like on the verge the whole show. And it wasn't really until I put together that a doll's life is a continuing story of a doll's house that I was like, Oh, I get it now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now you get it because I just told you. A Doll's Life <laughs> by no. Pamela Shandro and Wikipedia and whoever else wrote it because <laughs> it certainly wasn't all me. A Doll's Life is a musical with a book and lyrics by Betty Comden and Adolph Green. And I did not actually realize that. So oh, that really? was a big surprise. I, I did not know. Yeah. So that was a big surprise to me. <laughs> uh, and music by uh, Larry Grossman. It is among the most notorious flops in Broadway theater history. And we'll get into that. Uh, just to give you an idea. I mean, I know you guys know because Compton Green are like, ma- like American musical theater royalty. Yeah, they are. Um, they wrote, they were a musical comedy team who wrote scripts and often the lyrics for many Broadway shows and Hollywood film musicals. And they were paired together longer than any other writing team in history. Or I'm sorry, in the history of Broadway. <laughs> But that was 60 years, and I just thought that was amazing. They wrote shows in most marriages. I know, right? (laughs) Especially nowadays. Seriously. I mean, they wrote shows like Singing in the Rain, Hallelujah Baby, Do Re Mi, Wonderful Town, Applause, and one of my favorites on the 20th century. Um, But also, to be fair, they also wrote a couple of flops, a couple, (laughs) (laughs) including, but not limited to, A Doll's Life, Subways Are for Sleeping, and Bells Are Ringing. Uh, Oh, I love Bells Are Ringing. I do, too, but it was not well received at all when it first came into... I know. It's a great show. And the Faith Prince uh, revamp was really really good. Yeah, Uh, The Broadway production of A Doll's Life opened at the Mark Hellinger Theater on September 23rd, 1982, and closed on September 26th after five performances and 18 previews. It was directed by Hal Prince and choreographed by Larry Fuller, with scenic design by Timothy O'Brien and Tazina Firth, costume design by Florence Klotz, and lighting design by Ken Billington. The cast featured, and I'm just going to list everybody, (laughs) because I think they all deserve to be (laughs) listed. George Hearn, whom we love. Mm -hmm. Betsy Jocelyn. Peter Gallagher. Nuh-uh. Not kidding. Uh, He played the, uh, one of the romantic kind of interests. Oh, for her. Uh Uh-huh. Edmund Lindick. Diane Armistead. Gordon Bovinet, or Bovinet, I don't know. Uh, Willie Burke, John Corso, David Evans, Terry Gill, David Kale Johnson, Barbara Lang, Norman A. Large, Carol Lurie. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ooh, that's a Lurie. Carol Lurie. It is a really difficult name to say. Penny Orloff. Uh, Patricia Parker, Lisa Peters, David Seaman, Larry Small, Kimberly Stern, Paul Strainy, Olga Tallon, Michael Vita, David Vosberg, and last but not least, Jim Wag. <laughs> it's all in alphabetical order, too, which is fun. So the synopsis, I'm just going to ad-lib here. Okay. Because I didn't want to... The synopsi that I was able to find online mm-hmm. are just so long and convoluted, and I didn't want to oh, go that that's route. That's usually a sign. It, very, very much so. So the musical is, as I said before, a continuation of Henrik Ibsen's play, A Doll's House. Mm-hmm. In the play, it is essentially a story of... Let me see what her... Oh, I can't remember the lady's name. Oh, Nora. I should have remembered that, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, Nora and her husband, Torvald. So basically in the play, uh, Nora borrows money from her father to do something within the family. I think it was to pay off some debts or something like that, uh, but doesn't tell her husband. And so 
after a long period of time where she and her family uh, are struggling financially, now all of a sudden, you know, Torvald has now gotten a better job. So they're in a better position. Um, They're a little more on the, you know, upper middle class uh, side of things now. And part of that is because of this money that she had borrowed. She is slowly but surely paying off this loan. But the reason she got the loan in the first place was because she signed her father's name to it. So it wasn't actually a loan from her father. It was a loan that she got from the bank by co-signing someone else's name, by forging it. Because at that time, women had no power, whatever. <laughs> what did he... I, I didn't even see what he did. He's trying to get oh. here, And he knocks my microphone. So just stay there, okay? And be happy there. You're welcome to stay right there. Okay. So she is slowly but surely paying off this loan while also keeping it a secret. Now, a long-lost friend has come back into town. She has reconnected with this woman. They're having a grand old time. She's telling the woman all of her all of this story. And the woman is like, you know, I just think maybe it's a good idea if you just tell uh, well, meanwhile, <laughs> there's, it's such a convoluted story, but it's so good. And I'm mm. really, um, I'm taking it to the very barest of bones. It's definitely worth reading and seeing if you get an opportunity. But so Torvald works for a bank. He is the supervisor of this other guy. I can't remember his name right now, but this guy was the one that was responsible for the loan to Nora, and that's who Nora is paying back. Mm-hmm. Torvald doesn't like him, says he's not a good moral character. He needs to get out. So they fire him. Well, that guy goes to Nora and is like, your husband just fired me. And if you want this news to stay secret that you forged a signature and borrowed this money, then you need to get my job back. Well, Nora's like, um, how am I supposed to do that? So she tries but fails. And the other woman is like, you know what? You should just be honest with Torvald and it'll all work out. Meanwhile, this woman, her friend, goes and like meets up with this this guy of, of low moral character. And I think they actually start to like court. Uh, anywho, so they are have an affair. Court. Because okay. it was it was above board. Okay. It's a, it was a I don't I didn't remember <laughs> it's been so long yeah, me and i too. like that i guess i should have anyone, researched I a little that more question but... i'm like everybody's gonna be like seriously ebony you don't know Listen, <laughs> but i actually I think it was it was back okay. up off me <laughs> don't at me <laughs> get away from my friend ebony leave her alone she's fine <laughs> so then he so the bad guy, I can't remember his name, I wish I could. <laughs> so the bad guy sends a letter to the house, to Torvald, mm-hmm. with all of the nefarious details. Okay. Uh, that, you know, is waiting there for Torvald to open. And Nora doesn't know what to do about it. Meanwhile, Nora's friend and the bad guy have kind of gotten together. And the bad guy has a change of heart because this Nora's friend has really kind of like opened his eyes to the fact that, you know, like you can't behave that way and it's not really kind but she's also the one saying to Nora you have to be honest with your husband Mm -hmm. regardless of whether he opens this letter or not you you have to be honest right so Torvald because the letter had already been sent Torvald gets the letter opens it reads it but I think Nora I can't remember if she got to him before or after but the poop hits the fan because Torvald is like, you're, uh, you're a ter- a reprehensible woman. You, uh, you don't deserve to raise your children. You are of low moral character. You don't, you don't know right from wrong and just tears into her and she's devastated. Well, then I think the bad guy comes back later and is like explaining to Torvald, like she did it for you. It was not actually, besides the fact that she forged someone's signature, it actually was not that bad and she's been paying it off. She's only like two payments away from the end and so so then Torvald goes back to Nora and says, I'm really sorry. Will you ever forgive me? And Nora basically leaves and the door slams in Torvald's face. And that's the end of the play. Mm-hmm. So picking up from there okay. is where A Doll's Life starts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to read the synopsis I found of A Doll's Life because I've never seen it. I've only ever heard the music. So it's you never can get a really great idea of a show based on the music. So 
what I found was basically set within the framework of a contemporary rehearsal of Henrik Ibsen's classic play, A Doll's House. Mm -hmm. Uh, It addresses the question of what might have transpired after Nora slammed the door and abandoned her tyrannical husband, Torvald, borrowing the fare from a young violinist, Otto, who was played by Peter Gallagher. Mm -hmm. Um, She takes the train to Christiania, which I had to look up. And guess what? What? That used to be the name of, or that's Oslo. So Oslo now was Christiania based like, uh, I think it was, I think I wrote it down actually. Um, It's Oslo, Norway uh, after being destroyed by a fire in 1624 during the reign of King Christian the fourth, the city was renamed Christiania in the King's honor. (laughs) I just thought that was a cute little tidbit (laughs) to add in there. Cause I was like, Christiania, where's that? But Oh, by the way, also another sidebar, Norway are the people of my heritage. So hello, Norwegians. I wonder (laughs) if we have any Norwegian fans. That'd be cool. At, at, at us on Twitter. Yeah. Hit me up. You're my family. <laughs> I got some really, really cool stories to tell about my family from Norway. <laughs> Anywho. Okay. So she borrows the fare from Otto to take the train to Oslo or Christiania, um, where she accepts work in a cafe and soon becomes involved not only with Otto, but Eric Dietrichson, the wealthy owner of shipping lines and fish canneries, and Johan Blecker, a lawyer as well. Throughout the show, scenes in her new life mingle with intermittent flashbacks to the one that she left behind. So in my reading of all of the synopsi that I was able to find online... Nora, the reason she leaves Torvald at the end of a doll's house has a lot to do with the fact that women had no power and no autonomy Mm -hmm. at all at that time period. And so she was told by her husband, who she assumed was her partner the entire time they've been married, that she is not fit to raise her own children And takes that so much to heart that she has to just leave. She has to get out. She has to find a way to be a woman, but also to have her own power, Mm -hmm. which I just think is kind of incredible. Now, I don't like the fact that she leaves her children. (laughs) But she does. I mean, in the doll's house, she writes letters all the time. And I think she needs to find out who she is before she can be a wife and mother mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Um, so she encounters Otto almost immediately after leaving Torvald. And Otto is this young violinist. He's very handsome. And Nora ends up falling back on the same pattern that she had fall- fallen back on before, where she kind of flirts and she kind of seduces her way to get what she wants, mm-hmm. which is train fare in order to get to Oslo or Christiania. I'm just going to call it Oslo from now on. She gets on the train, though, and she starts to go and she thinks... What have I done that I've left my husband, I've left my children, I've left that life behind, and I'm still following the same pattern that I was, you know, so she's disappointed with herself. And so she just cuts ties almost completely with who she was Mm -hmm. while living as as a wife and mother and does almost the exact opposite, which is just explore everything she can possibly you know, explore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that is why she has so many of these different relationships. Now, Johan is the man played by George Hearn in this uh, show. He's a lawyer. He's very intelligent. They can talk with each other. They have a great rapport. But the man she ends up going with first and foremost is the married Eric Diedrichsen, mm. who is wealthy, who gives her things that she wants, but also allows her to express herself in a way that she was never allowed to in her old life. Mm-hmm. And that is she gets to throw the parties and she gets to be the center of attention and she gets to make these decisions for her own life. Uh, and so I think that she just kind of gets stuck uh, within that Um, there's so much more information and there's so much more behind the scenes, but needless to say, she does end up with Johan Mm -hmm. kind of at the end, (laughs) but there's more to that story as well. So I'm going to let you guys figure that out on your own because again, like there was just too much. I put, I 
copied and pasted it into my document and mm-hmm. it was like four pages of synopsis oh. and I was trying to read through it and it was super convoluted and I was like nobody's gonna understand this that's yeah. why I distilled it so very yeah. very much but I think I think what's mostly important is to know that Nora becomes like an uber feminist in this mm-hmm. she and it's not even just pro-woman it is pro-self she Mm -hmm. is trying to break away from all of the devised mechanisms that were brought up to contain her as a woman but also all women Mm -hmm. in that time period Mm -hmm. and she to a certain extent is successful but I think also she finds along the way all of these lessons and adventures and different stories that she can tell her children through these letters now I will say that at the end of this musical too it's kind of cool because she ends up going back to the house of Torvald and being accepted again because Torvald has has really come to the conclusion that you are my partner Mm -hmm. she finds out that he has been sharing the letters with her children. So now her children are privy. And I can't remember if she has boy or girl or two girls or whatever. I think there's two children, but you know, her children are now aware of not only uh, the limitations that are set on a gender, but also that you don't have to be uh, prescribed that either. So Mm -hmm. those are the kind of important things to remember from the story. (laughs) It's a good story. I mean, it's like, I'm not even looking at my notes. It's just such a good story that I just, you know, it's easy to remember. (laughs) So the critical response, (laughs) which is kind of the downfall of the whole show, reviews were negative. According to the New York Times, it was overproduced and overpopulated to the extent that the tiny resolute figure of Nora became lost in the combined mechanics of Broadway and the Industrial Revolution. Oh, dear. I know. Which is really kind of unfortunate because it really is her story, Mm -hmm. both in the play that preceded it and also this musical. It should all be about Nora. Mm -hmm. That's who we're following. And so the fact that she kind of gets lost in it is a little bit unfortunate. According to John Kenrick, the musical had an almost operatic score, but the book droned on about the unfairness of life and the overly elaborate Hal Prince production only made matters worse. (sighs) I, okay. Yeah. I know. Condon and Green and Hal Prince, the freak. Yeah. How did the, what? I know. (laughs) Well, and it's like, it's a period piece, so... It costumes and lighting and all Who of that did have the to be costumes. I'm like, costumes. I said it before. So Let me curious get because Florence Klotz. Let me click okay. on her link and see if I can find any more about her. Florence Klotz. Because I'm like this. Okay, so here's what she's done. Ready for this? Oh no! Kiss of the Spider Woman, City of Angels, Jerry's Girl, On the Twentieth Century, Side by Side by Sondheim, Pacific Overtures, A Little Night Music, Follies, It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman, uh, Nobody Loves an Albatross, Never Too Late, Take Her, She's Mine. So all of these gorgeously elaborate yeah. costumed shows. Wow, that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. This creative <laughs> team is amazing. They, they're on fire. I mean, it should not have. It should not have failed by all accounts. Looking from the outside, you see this superstar cast and yeah. crew. Yeah. It's it's really unfortunate. It really is. Now, I will say that despite the failure of the show, it did receive several Tony, Nor- uh, Tony Award nominations, and an original cast recording was released on the Bay City's label. Uh, Broadway Wags dubbed the show A Doll's Death. Oh, no. Isn't that sad? (laughs) That's terrible. Oh, no. One even suggested A Door's Life in reference to the portal out of which Nora slams at the end of the original Ibsen play and which danced almost continuously through the musical, far more interestingly than most of the rest of the action. Wait, did they have an actual door? Yeah. um, I mean, it wasn't dancing like that. But yeah, uh, every once in a while um, in her flashbacks, a door would show up on stage and the door would open (laughs) and kind of introduce you to that memory okay it's a cool idea yeah the concept is there i wonder if maybe they tried to do it again if it would be more successful or you know because like even how prince if like if how prince did it again yeah i wonder because it's 
it does have good music. I will say that I agree with the the I can't, uh, John Kenrick that the score is very operatic. Mm-hmm. So I can see that at times that might be slightly um, not overwhelming, just over the top mm-hmm. because it's also a very dramatic you know it's it's a continuation of this dramatic play right. and the, the musical is not a comedy as much as it is a continuation of a right. very dramatic play right. so um in that respect that that could be the case you know if everything is so heavy mm-hmm. then ugh, it must be you know it's hard to probably process it all mm-hmm I don't know. I still want it to succeed. I, cause I still want it to come back and like do something. Cause yeah. It's such I, a good story. I feel like since we had a doll's house part two, like yeah. there might be, um, it Which might is, not be a bad time. Right. And, and maybe if the book gets some work uh-huh. on it, since, Oh you yeah. Know, if the synopses are so yeah. convoluted. I mean, there must be some confusion They can pare there. it down. Yeah. I'm sure that they can, you know, figure out a way to to kind of make it a little bit better and the concept itself is you know that it starts with these contemporary actors putting on the play a doll's house mm-hmm. and it's it, basically at the beginning of the show the director comes to the to the woman playing Nora and says you know think about what your character would do after she slams that door and that's kind of the beginning of the show a doll's life okay so a doll's life is it's a musical within a musical. Kind of. I mean, they're not actually doing the play. It's just understood that these are the actors and they're on the stage and they're going to be performing A Doll's House. But you don't actually see them performing A Doll's House. It's just basically a scene or a vignette of the director talking with the lead actress saying what do you think would happen if Nora was? And then she's like, oh, I don't know. Thought bubble, thought oh. bubble, thought bubble. And then she turns into... Do we need that framing device? I don't think we do, no. honestly. I don't I don't think we do. And and what's cool, you mentioned it with A Doll's House Part 2. What's really cool about that is that this musical fits perfectly between Doll's House 1 and Doll's House 2 mm-hmm. in the timing of it. Because A Doll's House 2 is 15 years after her slamming the door right. but she's back in the household so, so i'm mm-hmm. i'm i was a little confused by the end though because i you said torvald she she went back home because torvald showed the children the letters yes. i think that's what i recall from reading the synopsis okay so is she that, yeah goes at the end home. of the musical she is back home okay i think that's what i mean okay. um but who knows how much time has passed right right you know in the telling of a doll's life Okay, so uh, the New York Times uh, was another one of those uh, reviews that I was able to find. And they say, the season is still young, but it's not likely to produce a more perplexing curiosity than a doll's life. The dour musical that opened at the Mark Hellinger last night. On this occasion... Oh, the Mark Hellinger. Yeah. A doll's... uh, Oh, on this occasion, three legendary Broadway hands, Harold Prince, Betty Comden, and Adolph Green, have inflated a spectacularly unpromising premise with loads of money, good intentions, and hard work, only to end up with a show that collapses in its prologue and then skids into a toboggan slide from which there is no return. Holy jeez! I had to read that. As negative as it is, it's so well written. It, I mean, it puts you like right in mm-hmm, the, the, mm-hmm. the description is so visual there. Um, now, I did mention earlier that they did get some Tony Award nominations. And so I wanted to let you know the three of them that were Tony Award. And they did have a lot of other nominations for different like Drama Desk and different awards like right, that. These right. are just the Tony Awards that I okay. wrote down. They were up for Best Book of a Musical. Um, they were nominated for Best Original Score, and they were nominated for Best Actor in a Musical with George Hearn, mm-hmm. um, which does not surprise me in right. the least. Now, they didn't win any of those, but that's pretty incredible mm-hmm. with the t- terrible reviews they got that yeah. they were able to still get those nominations. Right. Uh, the New York, oh, I'm sorry, the York Theater Company in New York City presented a staged concert in December of 1994. 
that obviously I was not around yeah. for. Yeah, neither of us were. <laughs> but the reviews from that show are actually pretty good. And uh, one of those is changes pay off handsomely. Grossman's sophisticated score has grown with age. And that's from New York Newsday. And then the New York Times, which we just read, mm-hmm. then they changed their tune and said, we can now appreciate the beauties in the score and in the sharp, sometimes uncharacteristically hard-edged lyrics. I don't know what they changed because I could not find that information anywhere. Okay. But whatever they did to change up the book and the score, it worked because this one was really, really well received. So maybe now is a good time to bring it back if a lot of things have been, a lot of the problems were fixed. Or it also sounds like we just live in a time where... Where it just might not work. Yeah. No, I mean... Oh, oh, oh. oh. we, We live in a time now where... It works. Yeah. But when it first but, oh, came yeah. out, it didn't work. I get yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it was 82. Yes. But I feel like, I don't know. I mean, that was like the age of the working woman, right. early 80s. Every, mm-hmm. you know, women were going back to work. They were feeling um, a promising future and autonomy, which, mm-hmm. you know, this play really kind of speaks to directly. But if you don't I, get that from... Right from the way that it's presented to you, then I guess it doesn't really matter. I, well, I sort of meant in the sophistication of like our ability to, um, the, the musical, musical theater's ability to sound so many different ways, Uh because it sounds like one of their biggest problems was like how operatic the score was and how dark the piece is. And I feel like we've grown so much as a musical theater community because like, any most music that you could think of can now be has now been adapted yeah, into true. a successful musical. I get what you're saying. And so and so it just sounded like between the two mm-hmm. especially the two New York Times articles yeah. that music was a big problem for them at that point. But we've grown so I mean, because if you think about it like since then, mm-hmm. Rents come out, In the Heights has come out, Hamilton's come out, <laughs> Les Mis has come out. You know what I mean? Yeah, like uh, completely different sounds. I mean, yeah. different. You have rock and pop and opera yeah. all playing on the same street. Yeah. It's really kind of a, yeah. It's amazing. It's really thrilling. So, so I think that people think, have become much more yeah. accepting of it. Yeah, yeah. So it you might could be, be a right. better time. Yeah, mm-hmm. you could very well be right. So let's bring it back. Okay. How? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't have to have a part of it if you don't want to, but I want to give you another chance because you're so good and I love you. <laughs> So we've talked about this book before. Yeah. This is Not Since Carrie by Ken Mandelbaum. He has a whole section about a doll's life. I'm just going to read the whole thing. So okay. if you'll bear with me. Okay. Um, let's see. It starts with fascinating mistakes naturally bring us to Harold Prince. He uh, in the uh, paragraph prior, he's talking about different producers that have had flops, but have also had really great successes. So okay. now it's the turn to talk about Harold Prince um, for with the exception of Rosa, Prince's flop musicals are often more interesting than the hits of other directors. The second in the string of Prince flops that began with Merrily We Roll Along was A Doll's Life. In addition to directing, Prince was uh, also one of the eight, uh, eight producers, and the show had a book and lyrics by Compton and Green, working in a totally atypical style and music by Larry Grossman. Prince took his leads, George Hearn, Betsy Jocelyn, and Edmund Lindeck, who replaced Giorgio Tosi uh, during rehearsals, um, from his recent production of Sweeney Todd. I loved that little tidbit. I thought that was so cool. Like, he was just doing Sweeney Todd, and he was like, you know who'd be really good in a doll's life? That one, that one, and that one. (laughs) Like, that's really cool. The authors introduced the published text of A Doll's Life with this note. Quote, A Doll's Life is the story of what happened to Nora, the heroine of Henrik Ibsen's A Doll's House, after she slammed the door, leaving eight years of domesticated, uh, domestic married life behind her. It is a romantic odyssey of self-realization in a difficult world of 1879, in which she rises from the depths of poverty and hopelessness to the heights of glamour, wealth, and achievement. Along the way, she learns that men, as well as women, are trapped in the traditions of the world they are born into and that each person must have the inner strength to stand alone, end quote. 
This description makes the theme of the show much clearer than it was to audiences in A Doll's Life. And I agree with that completely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In hindsight, we can all look at the story and be like, yeah, that's totally what it's about. But the reason why it wasn't a great success was because nobody got that. Mm -hmm. Nobody got that information. Uh, the arbitrary action proceeds as follows. After leaving Torvald and her children, Nora, laboring as a dishwasher, meets lawyer Johan, played by Hearn, who helps her while falling in love with her. She moves in with Otto, the composer who gives her the fare in the beginning, uh, but walks out when she realizes that Otto does not see her as an equal partner. She educates herself, then leads a workers' rebellion in the cannery and is jailed. When Johan introduces her to the cannery owner, Eric, she decides to trade her favors for a better condition for her fellow workers. Pawning the jewels that Eric gives her, Nora begins to acquire... I mean, like, this is more of the synopsis. I guess I should read this because I didn't really <laughs> give you a good one, and this is actually well-written. So let me just slow down and start again. Um... So uh, she goes to jail for starting a rebellion in, within the worker, or the women workers at this cannery. Eric is the owner of the cannery and says, basically, if you sleep with me, if you become my mistress, then I'll give them a little better working condition. And so and gives her all of these jewels. Pawning the jewels Eric gives her, Nora begins to acquire the kind of wealth and power known at the time only to men. With Johan's help, she soon heads a perfume empire, but she declines Johan's offer of marriage, choosing to return to the children she deserted. Having made it alone in the man's world, Nora has come to believe that she and Torvald are ready to meet as equals and talk. And that's okay. the end of the show. Prince told this bizarre story in a production that repeated many of his staging trademarks, dim lighting, chorus members observing and commenting upon the action, a bridge spanning the stage. Why is this story bizarre? Why does Ken say that? I don't know. Unless he says it later. That's a good question. I don't know why he says that. Okay, it's not bizarre, going. Ken. It's not. It's not. You can't see it, but I'm shaking my <laughs> neck at you. <laughs> um. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, let's see. A Darth of uh, choreography. Dearth? Darth. It's Darth. Darth? Mm -hmm. Okay, sorry. Let me say that again. Because <laughs> I thought that I had that wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um... Prince told this bizarre story in a production that repeated many of his staging trademarks. Dim lighting, chorus members observing and commenting upon the action, a bridge spanning the stage, a dearth of choreography. There were four dancing characters, a man and three women who were supposed to represent the three phases of a woman's life and were reminiscent of the ballroom couples in Evita and Follies. The show's visual look was inspired by the work of the painter Edvard Munch, who's really great. He uh, painted The Scream, if you know what that oh, is. Oh, yes. It's really good. Ibsen's contemporary... Oh, uh, that was Ibsen's contemporary. Munk was Ibsen's contemporary. Mm -hmm. So that would have come out at the same time that this play came out. If talents like Prince, Comden Green, and Grossman could not make a doll's life work, it was because the idea they started with was doomed to failure. Why ask what happened to Nora after she slammed the door at the end of a doll's house? Ibsen's play deliberately ended there, having made its point without needing to go any further. To compound the initial mistake, Comden and Green never made Nora a real human being, just an overloaded symbol burdened with fighting every feminist battle imaginable. Her four-year adventure was not made credible, even with Johan's help. Uh, wow. Uh, he doesn't hold any punches either. No. <laughs> um, Nora's accomplishments are unbelievable or sufficiently interesting, and the statement of the show was never clearly put forth. As Nora, Jocelyn worked hard and often well, but the show needed a more sympathetic, bewitching performer if it hoped to make audiences care about an often unmotivated and inconsistent character. 
the opening frame of the show also proved unhelpful. I think this is what we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. A Doll's Life began with a present-day rehearsal of the final scene of Ibsen's play, after which the actress playing Nora, whom the director of the scene also played by Hearn called Betsy, disappeared into a time warp and became the Nora of 1879. This added an unnecessary layer, especially since the show never returned to the rehearsal again. Yeah, Yeah, and proved confusing to audiences. It's got to be also just really convoluted like yeah. oh we're in modern day and oh wait now we're in i don't get yeah. it instead of just starting do then. you know it actually kind of reminds me of the critique that merrily we roll along had yeah where people didn't understand why are these kids dressed as adults and now they're kids again i don't understand i don't yeah. get it and it's that kind of um heady concept right that doesn't translate unless you explain it just a little bit mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. and a little better um, they added mm-hmm. they added a similar f- framing device to Fiddler on the Roof this last revival. Yeah, and I was like, but we all know this musical. We don't need this. I think you know it's funny because when someone does it to su- to a show like that, yeah. they're just doing it to do it. Yeah, they're not doing it for any other purpose yeah. than to just make it slightly different than it's ever been done right. before. But if it's a good show and it's lasting, yeah. it's lasting for a reason. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I it's it's difficult because, yes, as a performer, too, I want to put my own mark on things. I want to create something that's never been done before. But you also have to tell the story. Mm-hmm. If the story's not being told, then you're not doing your job. So that's really difficult. Uh, so to end that sentiment about the show, because they never returned to the rehearsal again, and it proved really confusing to audiences. And he says, why not just begin with the last scene of the doll's house rather yeah, than the contemporary rehearsal of it? And I think that's, yeah, you're right, Ken. Ken, I'm on your side <laughs> with this one. That's actually a really good idea. Although, I mean, though not many audiences might know the play at least they'll have a frame of reference right for her adventure from that point on right so in spite of all its problems a doll's life had a cockeyed fascination about it and there was one marvelous element grossman's music it was operatic in breadth and one of the most original and interesting scores of the 80s and i will agree wholeheartedly some of the letters um, there's one, I can't remember the title of, and I shouldn't have mentioned it because now it's going to drive me crazy, but, um, you can look these up. I think a lot of them are listed on YouTube. There's a haunting kind of almost, um, unfinished quality about the songs that she sings. And it's totally on purpose, which I love mm-hmm. that she is unfinished and her songs and her music start to become more, developed as the show goes on Mm -hmm. it's it's a really interesting thing (laughs) thing (laughs) all right so a doll's life and prince's next flop which was called grind which we need to write down (laughs) so we can do it would both have benefited from workshop productions oh man how many times do we talk about that this is so common so common that you either go out on a workshop and then change a huge amount of stuff, but then go straight to Broadway and don't workshop it again, or yeah. you just don't workshop it at all. Right. And I, you know, I think it's a guy like Hal Prince probably has a lot of sway. Mm-hmm. I know he does because he's proven himself over and over again. So it's, I don't know whether or not he thought he didn't need one, but it could be that also he was just pressured from the community. Right, right. You're like, you know, you're Hal Prince. You're going to be fine. Let's just go straight to the Broadway show. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But there you go. Prince never, oh, no, then it says because Prince never used them. He never used workshops. Did he oh. never use a workshop in any of his shows? I mean, I would have to look at all I know of them. I would have to as well. Yeah. I didn't realize that Me if that's either. the truth. Uh, and he, wait. I have to read this over again, and we might have to just delete everything that we said because, okay, it says, A Doll's Life and Prince's Next Flop Grind, which we need to look up because that could be something that we do, would both have benefited from workshop productions, but Prince never used them, and he tried A Doll's Life out in Los Angeles where it received mostly negative reviews and lost money during its 10-week run. So I don't understand what that means because... Wait! This musical did not do well on its... In a 10-week run? Uh-huh. 
in Los Angeles what? and they still brought it to Broadway. What? What? <laughs> and you didn't fix anything. Well, I don't know. I mean, let's read on because he might tell us. Oh. <laughs> um, I know Puddle's looking at me. He's like, so, what is exasperating? He tried a doll's life out in Los Angeles where it received mostly negative reviews and lost money during its 10-week run. In spite of the reviews, a doll's life was not changed very much during the L.A. run. It was greeted in New York with much harsher reviews than it deserved. What should have been considered an ambitious failure was treated like an utter horror. It closed instantly. They're so dramatic. I know, right? (laughs) Oh, Ken. (laughs) You're as dramatic as a doll's life. (laughs) Uh, It closed instantly, he says, losing $4 million. The original $3 million investment increased to cover the L.A. losses. Fortunately, the... Holy mackerel! I know. This is literally a money pit. Uh, Yeah. And they just kept doing it. Wow. Fortunate. Well, you know what, though? Broadway was like, I don't want you to lose any more money. So we're just going to close this. You know what else I'm thinking? Yeah. 82. Yeah. Right. And that's the the period of like Broadway where everyone was like, it was sort of dying. Oh, yeah, totally. So maybe they were like, we just need something. We have to get something something in the Mark Hellinger. That's open right now. Yeah, maybe you could be right. Hmm. Uh, Fortunately, Ken says, the score was preserved on disc. An ambitious community theater group, one with strong voices and musical forces at its disposal, should consider rethinking a doll's life. It might play better and more clearly than it did in Prince's enormous dark production. You know what? There's, yeah, there's a lot to be said about that because a doll's house is a very simple play. Right. It's one set, I think, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's just the house. Right. So it's, yeah, that way, yeah. And isn't it just one room in the house? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's very simple. So that wouldn't have been a bad idea. It's interesting. I mean, it's really interesting if you think about uh, where a concept came from Mm -hmm. and trying to just go from there. It doesn't have to be a leap off a cliff to get there. It can just be a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Interesting. But I would. Fascinating. It is fascinating. And I really wish. Hey, guys, if anybody knows anything about the York production in 94, if anybody like went to see it, please like add us. Tell us who was in it. Like that would be really. I mean, like I was I was definitely into Broadway theater. Right. But I was in Illinois. (laughs) No, I was in Maryland. Yeah. We were children. We were children. I'm in junior high at that point. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um. Listen, I definitely recommend finding and listening to the cast recording. It is available. I just can't remember where. Probably on iTunes, probably on Amazon. You'll be able to find it. Some of the songs, like I said, are available to listen to on YouTube, not from the cast recording, but from people that have recorded the music, um, you know, college students and things like that. But it's still worth listening to. It's, It's a really beautiful score. And if you just listen to it with the idea of an empty stage with just a single woman in the middle, Mm -hmm. then it, I think, is much more impactful than thinking about it the way that it was represented originally. It's interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting story. I'm telling you, we need to do it again because a good story is a good story is a good story. And a good story with a lead female who is not in her 20s. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. That's also not driven by her need to be with a man. Right. Now, she is in relationships in the show. Right. But she's trying to find herself. She's trying to make it on her own in the world. Like, right. That's... She's trying to get away from the male-dominated right. society. Right. And she does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, listen. Right. She sells the jewels that she got from a man in order to make this success. She had to open her business based on the signature of a man, but she was the driving force behind it all. She she did all of that with her own brain. Yes. (laughs) Her own smarts. It's true. She's the reason why it was successful. I really wish that I had been able to see A Doll's House Part 1 and Part 2 with Laurie Metcalf this last year. 
on Broadway. She, no, it was only part two. Did she two. not do part two? Oh, did she only do part, part two? Yeah, so part two is its own separate Yeah, bit. I know. Yeah, but it was I only guess part two. I thought two. they did both, though. No. Wow. Oh, because it came back at some point, right? Like, it had a little break. Maybe this is why I'm thinking of it. You know what? Never mind. Okay, what, We're going to uh, cut this out. Um, <laughs> uh, wasn't, uh, what's her name? With a different actress. Yeah. At BAM, though, I think. Um, oh. I think that's what you're thinking I of. think that's exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we that, are but that was completely in, like, unintelligible right now. <laughs> think I'm thinking in, different productions altogether. That was in 06. Oh, my gosh. She's so famous. <laughs> Wait, let me. Let me just get my phone. Wow. Ebony. I love her. She's in Blue Jasmine. She won her Oscar. At BAM, you think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, unless I'm getting it mixed up with another play. <laughs> but I know for sure she was in the play at BAM, and I thought it was A Doll's Life, but I might House. be lying, and it might have been. Um, there's another dark play with a that's um what's the other really famous play it's kind of similar except she kills herself anna karenina no no it's similar where she's like is it an ibsen or is it like a way she's way too smart for the world that she was born in oh. um she is a mom and a, a housewife and she just like bored uh, with <laughs> life because she's just too smart for what the world will let her do I think I'm I getting know, it confused with uh, that one possibly. Okay, it, very well. The rising star Hattie Morahan. Okay, I love Hattie. I love her. I, that's but not that's who you not were thinking of. That's not who I was talking about. Wait, what? Hattie did what? Where? She played Nora. Here? In a doll's house 2014 at Here? BAM. BAM. I miss Hattie! <laughs> I'm very upset. I love her. Okay, great. I don't know her very well. I okay. So my favorite version of Sense and Sensibility is the BBC one with I. I love her. Yeah. With Hattie, uh, her last name's Moran. M O R A H A N. Mm -hmm. Um, and she plays. Uh, oh, Eleanor. Hattie Moran. Yeah. I know that. Okay, I was just saying it incorrectly. She plays. She plays Eleanor in uh, that Sense and Sensibility. It's a 2008 one. Okay. It's my favorite. Oh, I love that show. And then like that. Uh, there was this um, TV show uh, that's on uh, PBS called uh, My Mother and Other Strangers. And she's okay. the lead in that. And she's awesome. Also, um, <laughs> also, so the fun part of Sense and Sensibility is she's Eleanor and um, Dan Stevens is her love interest in that right yeah and then they both did beauty and the beast as well because she's the witch in okay beauty and the beast and he's the beast <laughs> that's I, cool i i love her i'm Crap still trying it. to find out i'm talking about oh my god what else has she done she was in the movie carol i think i'm getting the two plays mixed blue up. jasmine yeah she's so famous blue jasmine cast i Kate Blanchett. Yes. She did it? Check, check. Oh, she did do it. I totally remember. <laughs> I think that's exactly the one I'm thinking of. 2006. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At BAM. Oh, she's so good. Yeah, she's really good. Am I am I getting it mixed up, though, with the play oh. where the woman kills herself in the end? I don't know. Because I know exactly. Do, what, just I, do Kate Blanchett BAM because she hasn't okay. been there that often. So, like, maybe one or two things will pop up. <laughs> This is going to be really fun to edit. Because <laughs> uh, I remember I was doing relief work, uh, at, at Katrina relief work um, out in Louisiana. And uh, I don't remember how Had I a found gabbler. out. That's what it, yeah. That's okay. the play I was thinking of. Yep. And I was like, I'm getting them confused. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Man, Hattie, oh, I Hattie. <laughs> well, now that I know, I'm gonna be I so know, mad sorry. about this for so long. Or you didn't miss Hattie. I mean, you missed her by I, several years. Yes. So who knows that you would even have been? Sad. You know, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just bringing up bad memories okay. all over the place. But yeah, but no. So 
but Laurie Metcalf, I mean, she would have just been incredible to see. She is just she's such in, an amazing yeah. actress. She's in Three Tall Women, which yeah. the whole cast is great. So I, it's on my list to see. Yeah. yeah. She went to college with my dad. Really? Mm-hmm. Same class. She seems like she's a nice person. Yeah, I think she would be. <laughs> I think she might even remember who my dad was if it was mentioned to her. So maybe we have to go see Three Tall Women and then meet Lori Metcalf <laughs> after. Do you remember Don? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very well, cool. That, I think that's. Is that it? That's it. Okay. <laughs> oh, you did you say the dates? Opening. I did. Okay. Uh, it was September twenty third to September twenty sixth. Okay. But it ended. Wow. Yeah. They did have eighteen previews, but only five performances. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Man, New York why? wasn't having it. No. They were like, you know what? If LA didn't like you, we aren't going to like you. <laughs> wow. Uh, yep. It's, it's interesting. interesting. Yeah. Very. It's, you know, this is, I, this is why we do this podcast yeah. to find stories like this. Cause it really is fascinating to me yeah. to find a show that really, should have been successful right and we've done so many of them yeah. in the past yeah you know there are ones that we've done that we're like okay you really why annie to miss hannigan's yeah. revenge no. was one of them that you're like you should never put let's, annie in a trunk take a break from this thought process yeah. and we're not gonna do that don't do it i i was the yeah. title of show today yeah. and they mentioned um the sequel to Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. <laughs> what is it called? Oh, I can't remember. You're asking Stink me all these it. questions that I don't know. But Google and, is right at the tip of but, my fingers. But they like, because um, in title of show, there's like this scene where uh, I think it's Jeff has a box of pl- like flops of playbills. Yeah. And like there's one song where they just like incorporate all these flops in, in the song. Best Little Whorehouse goes public. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And so they they have like this little jab and they're like, well, at least it's not as bad as Best Little Whorehouse. It goes public. And I was like, (laughs) so true. Yeah. Oh, but anywho, we'll probably talk about that show, too, guys. (laughs) Probably. It's on the list. Would be kind of cool if we did like successes and their flop sequels. Yeah. If we can find any more. Yeah, because we did. We did uh, Annie and, and Birdie, um, but I'm sure there's plenty more. We'll see. I'm, and then now we've done a Dolls, <laughs> Life, <laughs> Dolls Life, which is like <laughs> technically a sequel. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. Hey, if you have ideas of shows that we should do, not like we don't already have like an Excel spreadsheet that's yeah. filled to bursting with <laughs> ideas. But listen, yeah. send us your ideas because we may never have heard of it before. And that's that would true. be really awesome. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we want to have seasons and seasons and seasons of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and, and has anyone figured out what our theme is? I haven't heard from anyone. I basically told you the answer. Yeah. If you if it's listened. a specific person. For each couple of shows. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> that, I mean, that's really the theme. But if you can figure out who our common denominator is each month, we'll figure out what to offer you. Maybe you get to pick the next show we talk about. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah. So, well, here's the thing. You have to know what we've already talked about. Because yeah. we don't want to do a duplicate episode. We will not be doing a duplicate episode. No. But if you can figure out the person's like who is the common denominator between mm-hmm. every show uh like each set of shows that we've done this season so far uh we'll let you pick we'll let you pick the next uh show that we talk about i will give you a starbucks gift card that i have already used that you can refill on your own <laughs> we will mention you by name we'll and mention zip code you by name. we will Put your stats online. Make sure you are well known to all the opposite sex or same sex, yes. depending on what you prefer. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else can we do? <laughs> I will bake you a cake. Three layers. It'll be vanilla cake with lemon curd middle. <laughs> are you serious? And a meringue frosting. Why not? Okay. Do Why it. not? <laughs> 
What's the deadline? Well, let's make up a deadline. What's today? Today is April 8th that we're recording, but we right. probably won't put this on the air until, I don't know, like two weeks from now. Yeah. So let's June say 1st. by the... T- oh, the Tony Tony's. Awards. Perfect. So, so let's say by June 10th, Tony Awards night, if you have figured out what our theme was for this <laughs> season, each you have to name each person that was the common denominator for each... For each series of episodes. You have to do it by June 10th. Guys, we're dead serious about this. Yes. And and you cannot be my roommate. (laughs) So you're excluded from this. Disqualified. You can still have an old gift card if you want. (laughs) (laughs) I've got lots of them. I don't know why I keep them. I think, who knows, there might be like 20 cents on that one. I know. I know. Yeah, but so uh, anyone else can join except my roommate. (laughs) Sorry, Meg. Let the games begin. (laughs) All right. So that's our episode. We appreciate you. (laughs) Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.